I am. <laughs> uh, uh, we, we've been talking about character on Wednesday nights, and um, we talk about a lot of different things. But one thing I have learned, I'm just going to give you some nuggets here. Um, two ways info can flow is through knowledge and through experience. And knowledge is usually the cheaper route God wants to use in your life. And a lot of times when we have experiences, sometimes that's associated with pain. I'm sick of pain. (laughs) And how many of y'all know that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above? Amen. So God is wanting to bless your life. He's blessed you already, but he wants to continually do it. The thing is when we screw up is when we do our own thing and we got our own agendas and our own will. I want God to have favor on your life. And I want you to seek out his knowledge. And the Bible says in Isaiah 58, chapter 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, or neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And the Bible goes on to say that it's not even in a good man to order his steps. The best of man, the smartest, the most accomplished, the most decorated graduate, it's not in their best interest for them to lay out their own order, their own steps, their own life, their own will. Amen. It also says that. We're to bring every thought captive, not just tolerate it and say, that's bad, but to bring it into captivity, everything that once exalts itself above the knowledge of Jesus, above the knowledge of God. So I want to challenge you that you are decorated and some of you are are ahead of the game to never get too smart for God. Let every man be a liar, but let his word hold true. I will let you down. I hope not. But my flesh tells me I will let you down. But God, in his knowledge and his perfect love, will never, never fail you. Amen. I also want you to know that truth will trump true. And it's true that there are many facts, but truth will always trump true. And let God define you by his spoken word and his truth rather than what the world says may be true about you. Prayer works. Use it often, and he answers them. God's love never fails us, and it's perfect for every situation. And Jesus said that I have overcome the world, and Jesus overcame worldly things and temptations, but the world is not simply this. It's meant he overcame an attitude. He overcame a perspective that is apart from God. He overcame that. Jesus overcame religion and not unsafe people. Don't be afraid to love the world. Because his word says that for God so loved the world. I want you to love this world. I want you to have influence. This world's looking for character, and we've been talking about this. This world needs character. And what better characteristic than to show them Jesus, amen? I want you to lead in this aspect of your life. I don't want you to have the best personality. I like to have a great personality. Some of you do. But I want people to look past your personality and see your character. Character is what develops. Character is what sticks. Natural leaders often need to be broken. So consider your natural ability to lead a gift from God, but your character a gift back to him. You'll be known by the fruit you bear and how you love people, the Bible says. And he doesn't care about the scandal He just cares about the scandalous. Jesus didn't die to empower you to overcome your past, but he died to give you a future back. Amen. 
And so here we are. My life's a living testament of God is wanting to give you in life, but more abundantly to do whatever you could ever ask or think to above that. I'm a living, walking proof of that. You are too. When Jesus did something impossible, it required action by the recipient. And God wants to do something impossible in your lives. I really truly believe that there's greatness upon your life. And you're going to do great things for the kingdom. Amen. I love this thought. And I want to share it with you. It says, I've learned that the fear of wanting is just that. It's fear. Because wanting leads to trying. And trying might lead to failure. But now I've found that I can't stop wanting. I want you to want in life. I want you to pursue greatness God's called on your life. Some of these may be things you've thought of but never really considered it possible. But I love this. I want to fly somewhere first class. I want to get invited to the White House. I want to have favor with people of influence. I want to influence and empower others. I want to have exposure to eliteness. I want to learn about the world. I want to surprise myself. I want to be important. I want to be the best person I can be. And I want to find myself instead of others finding me. I want to win and I want to have people be happy for me. I want to lose and get over it. I want to not be afraid of the unknown. And I want to grow up to be generous and big hearted. And your families are just that, that they have supported you. They've been generous and big-hearted in your dreams and goals. I want to be generous and big-hearted like they've been with me, and I want to be interesting, and I want to have a surprising life. And you might not get all these things, but there in a moment of decision is the want. It's the possibility. The possibility of all these things represent the possibility that things can change. Your lives have changed. It's a milestone. And that possibility may be the opportunity for God to get the glory through your life. This is an awesome day. We honor you. We pray for you. I want to have Pastor Brian, my wife, and Sister Renee come up here. I want the congregation to stand. And I want you, if you're out in the congregation, can you stretch your hands towards these graduates today? And if you're any on the tab staff as well, uh, if you're able to come up here. Uh, let's pray over these graduates to do just that. We also have one more graduating from West Virginia State University, Jessica Stewart. We're so proud of her and her family. They're new to the tabernacle, but we love them, embrace them today because her accomplishments and having a little one, right? Miss Allie, she's beautiful. And her husband, Tony, who I'm sure is her love and support. We're so proud of everything that they've accomplished as a family. But you as an individual and as a mother, thank you for taking that step and doing all that you've done. Amen. We admire and appreciate each of you for your commitment. We're just going to ask God to lay his blessings upon your life continually today amen so if you stretch your hands this way today father we thank you for these your people today you said to study yourself to show yourself approved 
God, it's not just in ministry, but in life. So I thank you for these that have applied themselves, have worked diligently, have prepared themselves, and even stretched them further than they ever imagined they could be stretched. But now, God, that they have done this, I pray that today we know is not the end, but it is the beginning, that great things are ahead. God, that these are not their best days, but their best days are yet ahead of them. And so, Father, I pray today that you would bless them. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And they're uprising, they're downsetting, they're coming in and they're going out. As Pastor Matt said, I pray for extraordinary favor to come upon them in the workplace and in the marketplace. And those who are going on for continuing education, God, give them the right teachers at the right moment to be able to invest in them at the very most. And God, we give you praise and give you thanks for these today in Jesus' name. And amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Um, real quick before we go, uh, every year we uh, do it in memory of my uh, grandfather, Arnold Tomlin. We have started an Arnold Tomlin Memorial Scholarship Fund, and uh, this is uh, a way of driven and tabernacle praise. And Pastor Brian, this church believes in furthering your education to be the best person you can be. And uh, we've had some applicants for that. And uh, there's an application process. Praise here this morning. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Have you ever felt that there must be more? There must be more. Whenever you've been raised in the church, such as I have, you've seen a lot of things. You've seen the good as well as the bad. There's something deep inside of me that says that there has to be more to the kingdom of God than events, than services, than revivals, than books. There has to be something that we have yet to tap into that God desires for us. Amen. And I, I've been privileged to see some revivals. I've seen uh, revivals that have lasted weeks, months, years, hundreds and thousands of people that have been saved. And thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for that. But it seems that after revival has ended that the church is, is, uh, is a wreck because of the chaos that revival brings. If you haven't never been in an extended revival, you will not understand what I'm talking about. But revival is chaos. But whenever we don't understand that, and, and I don't have time to go into all of that right now, but we need some chaos because it is what produces us and pushes us forward. But um, it's not just about that, but we have to also understand that, and I'm not opposed to revival. I'm not against revival. I believe that it is what, what we have to change our mindset in is that revival is not where we're trying to get. It's not our goal. Revival is the beginning of what God desires to do in our life. And so in Hosea chapter 6 and verse uh, 1, it says there in Hosea 6 and 1 that God is going to raise us up, right? 
he tells us there that that he is going to break us that he is going to tear us and then he is going to heal us and then in verse 2 he said and after two days say two days say two days he will revive us on the third day he will raise us up that we may live in his sight amen and so this morning I want to talk to you about a third day awakening a third day awakening a third day awakening in the church comes to revive us first then it comes to resurrect us. He said he would revive us, then he would raise us up, and then he would cause us to live as his church. Second Peter 3 and 8 said, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. When we understand this principle, then we understand the timing of God. We, we hear a lot about the end times, but when we understand this, we put it into perspective as it pertains to where we are in the calendar of God. Then the first thousand years of Christianity was the first day. The second thousand years of Christianity was the second day. And then on January the 1st, 2001, we began the third day, as it were, with God. In scriptures, its most powerful day that occurs is on the third day. When we look at Abraham, he offered Isaac on the third day. Hezekiah's years were restored to him or added to him on the third day. Jonah was kicked out of the fish's belly on the third day. Water changed to wine on the third day. Jesus resurrected from the grave on the third day. And when this third day awakening takes place in the church, the church will begin a praise and worship that will break the hold of the world has upon us, off of us, and cause us to awaken out of this religious grave that we have been contained in. And we will begin to see not only a revival, but we will see the third day awakening that God has ordained for this last day church. Revival is the first step to this awakening. But God not only revives us, but he raises us up. He said, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us and he will heal us. He has stricken us, but he will bind us up. And then he says he will revive us on the second day and on the third day he will raise us up. In the 21st century, Pentecostal spirit-filled churches have become the fastest growing movement in the world. In latter part of 1990s, we experienced raindrops, drizzles of God's glory. They were uh, in uh, different places, different pockets of God's spirit being poured out and ministered. But we are now not in the second day, but we are in the third day. And in the third day, God not only promises to revive us, but he promises that he is going to raise us up. 
So what is revival? Simply put, revival is God's heart being poured out upon his people, waking us up and causing us to rise to another dimension that he has planned for us, his church in the earth. Revival is not the end but goal, but revival is merely the beginning. And in this first two days of the church, we, we weren't completely awake. During the last hundred years, the church has been awakening to the Spirit of God. And the greatest uh, Pentecostal full gospel winds of revival have blown across America in the last 100 years. And God is reviving us. He is raising us up. And he is taking us from the lamb to become the lion. And he tells us in Genesis, Abraham was the first one to experience this third day with God. In Genesis 22 and 4, he said, And uh, then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the lad and I will go yonder to worship, and we will come back. How many know that that right there possibly could be the most powerful statement of faith in the Bible? Because Abraham knew what he had to do and he was willing to do it. And yet he said, me and my son, we're coming back. I don't have time to preach there today, but I just wanted to point it out that Abraham's had some kind of faith that even if he gave his son Isaac as a sacrifice, somehow or another, they were coming back. Amen. And we need to understand today that on this third day, Abraham gathered up everything and he said, took the wood and the burnt offering and the lad said, Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb, the burnt offering? And Abraham Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Amen. That question resonated for some 2,000 years, but Isaac's question was answered 2,000 years later when John the Baptist cried out, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. God provided himself a lamb. Amen. Where there is a lamb, where is the lamb? He said, Jesus is the lamb that was slain for you and I. Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. That makes me and makes you a lamb. Without God, I am nothing. It's more than a song. It's reality. Without God, we are lost. Without God, we have no purpose. We have no reason for existing. There is no identity outside of Jesus, outside of God. I can do nothing on my own or for myself, but in Jesus, I find myself. In him, I become more than a conqueror. It's in him that I understand that I'm the salt of the earth. 
It's in him that I come to the knowing that I am the light of the world. It's in him that I come to know that I am a reasonable service. It's in him that I become and know that I am the iron pillar and the wall of brass. It's in him that I find myself and I'm lost in his presence at the same time. I'm, I'm lose myself, but I find myself in his presence. Jesus was crucified a lamb, but he was resurrected a lion. And so it tells me today that whenever I come to Jesus Christ, what did Paul say? That it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And so therefore it says that I died in myself and I resurrected in Christ Jesus. So therefore, whenever I gave my heart to the Lord and I died out to sin, I died a lamb. But whenever I came up, I came up a new creature in Christ Jesus, which is not a lamb but is a lion amen and we have our identities mixed up because on the first day we were lions on the inside and lambs on the outside in this second day church we were lions on the inside and lions on the outside but on this third day we are going to be lambs on the inside we're going to know who we are we're going to have confidence in the God that we serve we're going to know that we have the ability to do all, accomplish all, and be all. And so there will be a still resolve and quietness on the inside. But on the outside, the lion is going to roar. We're not going to stay quiet any longer. We're not going to stay behind our stained glass windows and our nice buildings, but we're about to take over. I said we really are about to take over. We're going to take over the marketplace. We're going to take over the political system. We're going to take over the education system. Why? Because that's the way God created for it to be. Amen. The third day awakening will cause the lions to awake from their slumber and take their place in the earth and begin to roar with confidence. If you are a Christian, then I'm talking about you. I'm not just talking about the pastor or preacher or one that has been called to give any a position in the church, but he has said that if you are in Christ, amen, then you are a part of this. And he says to us that we are the tribe of Judah. Amen. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he, we, he makes us co-lions with Jesus Christ. In the first day, we feared the devil. But in the third day, the devil is going to fear us. Because this third day awakening, praise will return to its scriptural principle and purpose. And when we look into Psalms 140, David is in warfare. He is in battle. And he said, he, speaking of God, he said, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise unto God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. When you read this psalm, you will find that David was in trouble. He was in the midst of despair, but he reached down deep inside of him and searched and found a praise. He found a worship and he released it. And when he did, it closed the gates of his enemy. Your praise will torture your enemy. When you begin to praise him, when you begin to open your mouth, 
mouth. And that's the reason why I tell you all the time, you can't be quiet. Certainly can't be quiet in church, but you can't be quiet any time in your life. It's not so we can have some hype or some emotionalism. It's because there's power in your words. There is authority in your words. And when you release a praise, you may have to reach down inside of you very deep. But whenever you reach down inside of you and you get a real praise from God, what he has done in your life, when you release it, it will shut up the gates of your enemy and it will bring victory into your life. Amen. We praise to get Satan out of the way. We praise to get our flesh out of the way. We praise to get the world out of our way. But we worship to bring God in. You see, our praise runs the devil out. When you start bragging on God, when you start talking about how good he is, it reminds him of the day of his defeat. And he can't stand to stay around because he's full of pride and arrogance. And he can't stand to hear the praises of another. And when he hears the saints begin to give God praise and give him glory and give him honor, it runs the devil out. But our worship draws God in because when we begin to worship, we begin to give God the, the intimate praise. You see, you can anybody can praise God, but it takes somebody that knows God to worship him. A drunk can come up in here today and praise God that they didn't get killed getting here. But you, he can't worship him because he don't know him. But whenever you begin to worship, worship is out of intimacy. Worship is out of relationship. Worship has nothing to do with your surroundings or your circumstances. It's about the God that you have relationship with. And out of that relationship, you begin to worship him. You begin to admire him. You begin to tell him how wonderful he is. And you begin to pour out your affection upon him. And when you do, it drives draws God into your situation because he said he inhabits the praises of his people. You don't have to be sitting in a church pew. You don't even have to be close to the church. All you got to do is worship God going down the road and he'll come be with you. You can be in the midst of the turmoil and trouble of all of your life, but if you'll give him worship, if you'll give him praise, it'll cause God to arise. Your enemies will scatter and if you'll dare to worship him, he will come and ride upon the wings of your worship. Yeah. Amen. This third day awakening will no longer fear the enemy. There's too many folk in the church afraid of the devil. But I want to tell you that the devil is a defeated foe. The Bible teaches us. I'm not talking about Spielberg. I'm talking about your Bible says that he has been defeated and rendered helpless. Amen. And so the fact we have to understand here is the only power that he has is that which we have and have not used it. 
and we relinquish that power and authority to him and he uses that unused authority in our life against us because we give it to him but he is defeated and so we need to understand today that we don't have to fear him in this last day church number one reason is because I'm hitting Christ every time the enemy comes looking for me instead of finding me he finds Jesus Amen. When you see, when he sends his demons, he returns empty handed and he gives them the report that we went to the address that you sent us to. We found, we, we was looking for the person that you sent us for. But when we came to the door, it was not him, but it was that one that defeated you on the cross of Calvary. He is the one that answered the door at that place. I want to tell you today that we are hidden in Christ. And when the enemy comes looking for us, he cannot find us, but he finds our elder brother who has already made a show of him openly. Hallelujah. So we know today that we are hidden in Christ. The second reason is because we're anointed. Amen. We're anointed. And the anointed ones cannot be touched. As long as the anointing is upon us, then we're untouchable. And Psalms 105 and 5 tells us, do not touch my anointed ones. Huh? So the enemy can't touch us as long as we're in Christ Jesus. Because who is he? Christ means the anointed one. And if I'm in Christ, then I'm anointed. Huh? And it isn't just talking about preaching. It's talking about being in Christ. Being in relationship with him brings an anointing in my life. Right? The third reason that I don't have to fear the enemy is because we are already dead. How can the enemy hurt you if you are no longer living to yourself? Paul said, I no longer live for myself or my life, but my life is in Christ and in him and my life, which I now live. I live not in the flesh, but by the faith in the son of God who gave himself for me. Do you realize the most dangerous people to deal with in the world are those who have nothing to lose? Whenever someone has nothing to lose, I can relate to sports because I dealt with it whenever I played sports. But whenever you're playing sports and you go up in the end of the season against a team who who is winless, who doesn't have any chance of going on and going into, uh, you know, the end of the season and a winning season or going on for the championship, those are the most dangerous people to play because they have nothing to lose. They will pull out all of the stops. They will play recklessly. They will come at you with a vengeance because their goal is not to win. Their goal is to knock you out. Amen. 
And you see, what we have to understand today is simply this, this third day awakening church. We've got to live not for ourselves, but to live for Christ. And to understand like Paul, for me to die is gain, for me to live is Christ. Now we are not foolish, but we are people that are not living for ourselves, but living for Christ. People who will take a risk to see a great awakening take place, not be satisfied with living and maintaining in our nice buildings and facilities. Thank God for facilities. Thank God for buildings. But I want to tell you that God is wanting to send something that this building cannot contain. He wants it to be greater than what is going to be able to even be imagined in our hearts. Do you believe for one moment that God would send his son into this world, hang upon a cross, die, be humiliated, shrink and put in a grave so that we could go out of here like a bunch of whip pups be coming out of here with just all of these things hanging over I'm telling you that they've put uh, Islam on the same level as Christianity they put uh, all kinds of other false gods at the same level as Jesus Christ and they now tell us that we're all going to heaven that we're all going the same way doesn't matter who you're serving but I want to tell you today that the devil is alive there is no other name among heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. There is only one way, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, understanding that today, we must carry the mark of Jesus. The stamp of ownership must be evident upon our life. No one messes with someone who's wearing the colors of Jesus. Paul said it like this in Galatians 6 and 17. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Do you know when gangs take over cities, they leave their mark in the city. They, they have their colors and they put their colors out. They make their marks. They have their tattoos. They wear certain tribal or gang collars so that everybody knows that this is our city, this is our place, and this is who runs this place, right? But I want to tell you that there is a gang that is rising up. There is a tribe, if you will, that is taking their rightful place that has greater force than any gang in the world. And it's a sound that hell is quaking at. It is a sound that demons are fleeing at. It's the sound of the redeemed. It's the sound of the tribe of Judah that is breaking into the earth, that is taking our rightful place. Amen. And it is taking its place not just in the church but it's taken its place in the marketplace it's taken its place in the college it's taken its rightful place in the school it's take what are you saying I'm not just up here babbling today I'm telling you there's an anointing that's coming there's a spirit of God that's just coming up on the horizon and it's about to overtake this land why because that's the reason Jesus came that's the reason why God sent his son not so he could be leveled out with other false gods but he said I am that I am he's the only way the only truth and the only life we've got roots connected in warriors I said we've got roots connected in in the warriors 
Everywhere I go, I see warriors coming up. I see people coming to their rightful place. Amen. And I'm telling you that God, I know, I know that it's not a biblical term, but just so we can relate today, I'm telling you that God has always had a gang. <laughs> He's always had him a gang. Moses led it for a while and they were, had a spirit of a warrior on him. He didn't know what this militant thing was on the inside of him, but he was not going to allow things to remain like they were. He didn't use it properly because he didn't understand because Moses wasn't told who he was. But you see, here he was and he was warring. He had this militant spirit on the inside of him and he thought that the Egyptians was his enemy and so therefore he fought against the Egyptians and he killed the Egyptians. But what he did not understand is this militant spirit was on the inside of him not to destroy other flesh and blood but this anointing this militant warrior spirit that would not stop would be to go up against Pharaoh point his finger in his face and say let my people go I'm not going to stay here none of my people are going to stay here I preached the other week he said not even one hoof is going to be left behind we're coming up out of this place and we're coming up with everything that we have is going with us. Our money's gone. Our family's gone. Our children's gone. Our cattle is gone. Everything is going with us. Why? Because Moses had a militant spirit on the inside of him that would break things. I'm telling you, you can't break something being passive. And it's time today to come from being a lamb to being a lion to where we got a militant spirit that said it's not by might nor by power, but by the spirit of God on the inside of me I will conquer all I will be all I will do all I will accomplish all because greater is he in me than the world that is against me this generation has been marked by God to be warriors this generation does not understand why there's such a militant spirit on the inside of them because they're a fatherless generation that don't know their purpose. They don't know their destiny. They don't understand what is going on on the inside of them. And so they war in the flesh. And we've got racism. Huh? And we're warring against. That's what the Bible said. Said nation shall rise against nation. You look at it, nationality against nationality. Racism in this last day. It's warring because the militant spirit that's put on the inside of them. They don't understand why it's there. And they think it's to kill one another. Nation shall rise against nation. And the spirit of rage comes on them. And they're killing one another in the streets. But this warrior spirit is not to fight against one another, but it is upon us to hunt down our spiritual enemy and publicly destroy him in the street so that the world will know that there is only one God and his name is Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
David was ahead of this gang for a while. He was a leader and he said, God, teach my hands to war and my fingers to fight. David took 300 misfits. He took 300 nobodies. He taught them who they were and they came out fighting and they destroyed every enemy. It did not matter how they, how they were outnumbered. It didn't matter. He would, you could line up 300 men and they would take a jawbone and kill them all. He would go into a, a pit in a snowy day and he would destroy a lion in the pit. These men were bad. These were misfits. These were no names. But yet when they learned, David took them and began to impart into them, said, this is the reason there's a warrior spirit on you. This is the reason you got to know who you are. And when he did, they came out of that cave knowing who they were in Christ Jesus and they destroyed and defeated every enemy that came up against them. I want to tell you today that you don't have to worry. You don't have to fret because God is on your side today and he is moving on your behalf and when you realize who you are in Christ Jesus, all things become possible. Let's jump ahead a few thousand years to the time whenever I was grow up, growing up in the church. Some of you may be able to relate today, but whenever I was growing up in the church, they, they, our roots were established in warriors. They didn't sing uh, nice little songs. They sang militant songs. They'd start singing songs like, I am a soldier in the army of the Lord. They would sing songs, if you're in the battle for the Lord and right, just keep on the firing line. If you win, my brother, you're going to have to fight. So just keep on the firing line. They would talk about, I'm on the battlefield for my Lord. huh? They would talk about militant spirit. They would rise up. Excuse me. And their songs were militant. Their messages were militant. They'd fight you. Somebody remembers. I hear you laughing. They'd fight you. They'd fight you over how long your hair was. They'd fight you how long your dress was. Anybody remember? They'd fight you if you was wearing long sleeves or short sleeves. Huh? They'd fight you if you had a had a, a one-eyed devil in your house. That was a TV. And they'd fight you over everything. And we didn't always get it right. But I'm thankful somebody was willing to fight. I'm thankful somebody said, this isn't going to be easy. We never got it all right, huh? We didn't have it all together, but we, there was a militant spirit. There was a warring spirit, and it grows up within us because it comes out of our roots, and we understand we may not be anybody. We may not have a name. We're not a famous preacher, but we're misfits. We're no names. We, we're carrying the colors of Jesus Christ, and we're going into this thing blood washed 
fire baptized and we're going to believe God that every adversary and every foe and every enemy is going to come down. Racism is going to come down. Amen. Perversion is going to back up out of our streets. Those who are fatherless are going to find out who they are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because they know that they know that in this third day awakening, we're not going to slumber any longer. We're not going to maintain anymore, but we're rising up for this last day church to have victory in the earth. Somebody tells you, well, we just want to go to heaven so we can have victory. I don't need your religion. If you, if what you got can only give you victory when you get to heaven, you need to get rid of it. Jesus didn't come to this earth so we could get victory in heaven. He came so we could have a victory here in the earth. So we could have authority and dominion in the earth. Amen. Yes, we'll go to heaven, but there ain't nothing nobody can do about that. Amen. When you're saved, nobody can stop you. But what about the here and the now? I'm telling you, we aren't going about to hunker down and run out of here like, like we're afraid of the devil, like we have lost the battle. Oh, no. When we leave, I'm telling you, we're leaving victorious and Islam's going to know that they're not the way. Buddha's going to know they're not the way. Mohammed's going to know he's not the way. But Jesus Christ, there will be nothing left to uh, not to believe, but everyone will look and see his appearing and know that he and he alone is the son of the living God. Amen. In the second day, we had it wrong. We fought each other. In the second day, we had division of denominations. But in this third day, we will be united with a spirit-filled revival. In this second day, we sat in the comfortable pews and listened to people sing and sermons and we lost the glory. But in this third day, I believe that God, we will not only stand in the church, but we will stand in the middle of our cities and proclaim deliverance to everything that is bound. In the second day, we became victims. But in this third day, we will be victors, sinners saved by grace, saints empowered by the Holy Spirit. In this second day, we survive. But in this third day, we're about to succeed. In the second day, the survival of the fittest. But in this third day, it's the survive, the success of the redeemed. In this third day, the lamb, it, we're lambs before God, but we're lions before the world. And I can hear a faint roar in in the distance but I'm telling you there is a rumbling that is coming there's a sound that is coming up out of the ashes of, of religion and out of mediocrity and out of our churches there is a roar that is coming it may be only one it may be three it may be ten it may be a hundred but there's a roar that is coming up it's rising in this hour and it's about to take its rightful place of no names of no bodies but we will be known as the lions of the tribe of Judah that you don't mess with because if you do we'll take the authority we'll destroy yokes remove burdens you won't get our children we will deliver them in the name of Jesus you won't bind up our family with generational curses they'll have to come off why because we have authority in the name of Jesus it's the roar of holiness I said, it's the roar of holiness. 
Holiness isn't a bad word. Holiness is needed. Without it, you'll never see the Lord. Amen. It's a roar of passion. I'm telling you in this third day, we're going to get our passion back. Amen. For the things of God, for the house of the Lord, for the kingdom's sake, where that other, all these other things are not going to supersede our passion for the things of God, but people's going to be hungry again for his presence. Hungry for what God desires to be released into the earth. There's a roar of the zeal of the Lord that is here. It's the same voice that cried out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's a roar of an entire generation that comes to an understanding of who we are and we take our rightful place in the midst of trouble in the midst of perversion, in the midst of the mess, we release a roar, a legitimate praise, a legitimate worship that will silence the voice of our enemy and the kingdom of God will be established in the earth. I'm telling you, this is the third day awakening. This is the third day awakening. And I know it's hard for you to even grasp today because you haven't seen it. We've seen more defeated church than we've seen overcoming church. We've seen more people in despair and fearful and fretful than we have that have walked in their divine destiny and purpose in God. But I'm telling you that that was the second day, but this is the third day. And God is raising us up for greater than what we have had in days past. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready for it. I said, I am ready for it. And today I just wanted to lay this little foundation right here. Can't tell you what all is in my heart in one day, but I want to lay this foundation right here and tell you greater days are ahead. And if you can believe it in your heart, I want you to stand with me here today And I just want us to press in, lean in on God just for a couple of moments and say, God, I want you to raise me up. If you don't raise up anybody else, God, I want to be raised up. If nobody else wants to stand in the city street and proclaim your word and deliver the captive, I want to do it. If nobody else wants to proclaim deliverance to a generation, God, I'll do it for you. Huh? But today, I will not remain silent. This is my third day, and I'm going to rise in the name of the Lord.